Welcome to the second season of Murder in 20 podcast, where I, Bobby Stevens, am your host with a new episode every Wednesday. If you're a serious fan of true crime and love listening to podcasts, but don't want all that small talk, you've come to the right place. We get right to the facts. Murder in 20 episodes are concise and complete in 20 minutes. Less talk and more true crime. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. In August 2010, Teresa and Michael Woodby moved to Latrell, Tennessee, a small town with about 1,000 residents, 200 miles west of Nashville. They resided in the 500 block of Highway 370, a rural two-lane road dotted with small houses and gravel driveways. Teresa was a licensed practical nurse, and the couple were in their mid-40s and shared their home with their young grandson. Across the highway from the Woodbys lived Kevin Wagner and his wife, their young daughter and adult son, Colton. Kevin worked as a security officer for Knox County Schools. He also operated a firearm store on their property called the Gun Shack. By law, he had security cameras posted at his store and also outside his home. Court records indicated that neighbors would hear gunshots going off frequently and explosives were detonated, shaking their houses. Some would say it was like living next to a gun range. The Woodbys and Wagner's front yards faced each other across the highway. Although their neighbors were loud, the Woodbys got along with the Wagner's. That is, until a few months later, when Michael ended up in the hospital with heart issues. When he returned home, he walked across the highway to the Wagner's, and asked them to stop shooting guns for a few weeks until he could regain his strength. Kevin responded by swearing at Michael and raised his gun and ordered him off his property. Michael wasn't deterred. He went back with a basket of tomatoes and asked again. He got the same response from Kevin. Six months later, Michael approached Kevin to purchase a firearm. Kevin refused. It turns out that Michael was a convicted felon with a drug conviction in another state. So Michael suggested that Teresa would purchase the firearm, and Kevin told him that would be illegal. Teresa tried to purchase one anyway, and when Kevin refused, she got angry. Animosity between the neighbors settled in. In March 2012, the Woodbys obtained six temporary orders of protection against the Wagners. Then in May, they obtained two more. Authorities determined there wasn't enough evidence and none of the orders were made permanent. The Wagners began filming the Woodby family with a handheld video recorder. Teresa took offense to their filming, particularly when they recorded their young grandson playing in the front yard. The Woodbys had enrolled their grandson in the Head Start program. Michael was active in the school and was chairman of the policy council, and they found him kind and caring. The Wagners started filming the Woodbys' grandson waiting for the school bus. Jessica, the driver of the bus, noticed and saw that the Wagners were armed. This made her concerned for the safety of the children on the bus, and she moved the bus stop. 
The Whitby's had called the police on Kevin so often that he began recording their activity on the police scanner to document their complaints. But when he contacted police about Michael threatening him, the officers informed him that they needed good quality recordings that showed the date and time. So he started recording everything, including the bus stop, because Teresa had told police that the Wagners would come outside with a shotgun whenever the bus arrived. On June 3rd, Colton filed for an order of protection against Michael, alleging he threatened to kill him. A judge refused to make the order permanent. In addition to recording video, the Wagners also used audio recorders. They weren't only recording the Woodbees, they also were recording themselves in family conversations, including one on June 8th, where Mrs. Wagner was laughing as she stated, that Kevin had scared them to death and that he had upset their family, their way of life. Kevin and Colton were accused of stalking the would-be family, but on June 21st, the grand jury decided to take no action. Michael had also been charged for allegedly making false reports and criminal trespassing. That same grand jury decided again to take no action. The Wagners made a point of going for daily walks and chose to walk by the Woodby's house, knowing that it irritated them. One day, as Michael came home, he yelled a derogatory remark out his car window towards Kevin and Colton. They responded by walking to the edge of their yard to confront him, both with guns at their sides. Colton pushed Michael, who fought back by hitting him. Colton then pointed his gun at Michael. Kevin called police and Michael was arrested, but not charged. Michael and Teresa begged Kevin and his family to leave them alone. Then they began to swear and yell back at them, even laughing at them. Michael went so far as to hang a dry erase board in front of his home and wrote messages to the Wagners on it. Messages such as, Love thy neighbor, and please leave us alone. And can't we just end this? But neither side was willing to end it. In September, Kevin told police that Michael was standing on his front porch and fired off a shotgun and screamed at the Wagners. That's what's going to happen. Kevin responded by contacting the Department of Children's Services regarding the Woodby's grandson. Teresa claimed that the Wagners began following her to and from her workplace and around town when she had her grandson with her. Michael responded by changing the sign to say, Stalking is a crime. Michael was charged with two counts of assault and one offense of disorderly conduct. And in January 2013, another grand jury decided to take no action. In February, Kevin called the Social Security Administration and tried to prevent Michael from obtaining disability benefits and called him a pathological liar. On May 27th, Kevin and Michael were at the same convenience store when they got into an altercation. Kevin claimed that Michael threatened to beat Colton to death and that Michael outweighed his son by 200 pounds. 
In a phone conversation later that day, Kevin recorded himself telling someone that he did not understand how someone could be so oblivious to his surroundings and how close he was to dying. On June 6, the Woodbys were outside with their grandson when the Wagners began to video record them. Michael responded by putting up a sign in his front yard that recording was prohibited without permission. It didn't change anything. Recording continued, and tensions escalated. Almost another three months went by. The neighbors were at war. One day, the Wagners were recording, and Michael yelled at them that they were pedophiles for filming his grandson. The next day, Colton walked across the highway to their family mailbox in front of the Woodby's house. The video showed Michael yelling obscenities at him, telling him again that he was a pedophile and throwing rocks at him. The Woodby's and Wagners had called police complaining about each other over 300 times in two and a half years. Through all the allegations and charges, none were prosecuted. One wonders why one of them didn't just move away. On August 22nd, Kevin contacted the New Sentinel newspaper about the feud with his neighbors. He also reached out to numerous other media outlets and said that his family was being threatened by the would-bees and that law enforcement had not been helpful. The would-bees were frustrated that their attempts to end the feud weren't working. On August 31st, Michael was outside, begging the Wagners to end their differences. The Wagners didn't respond and continued to take videos. Four days later, the Wagners were again video recording Teresa and her grandson out in the yard. She yelled at them that they were sick and perverts and had nothing better to do than to videotape a young child and an old man. Michael came out of the house and was heard saying that the boy had a gun, referring to Colton. Later, when Kevin walked along the highway on the Woodby side, Michael yelled out, If you come over here with a gun, I'm going to drop you. You have no business coming over here harassing us. Five days later, Michael was on his front porch yelling that someone on the road had a gun. The video recording heard him yell, I'm going to splatter his head all over the road. I'll kill that son of a... And I'll go to jail, and you'll be dead if you keep coming over here with a gun. The next day, Michael was yelling at them again, Just stop playing games, and I'll put a hole in you. Two days later, the Wagners were again filming the Woodbees and their grandson in the yard, Colton strapped a firearm to his side, crossed the highway, and strode up and down the road in front of the would-be's house. Michael ran up to the highway and cursed at him. Colton responded by threatening him. He put his hand on his firearm and lowered his voice and told him, Take one step and I'll shoot a hole in you. Colton returned to his house and handed his firearm to his dad. The police were called, but again, no arrests were made. 
three days later, on September 13th, Kevin sent a letter and a DVD to the News Sentinel and other news outlets. His neatly typed one-page letter started out with, Please help, and stated that his family were forced to take videos to protect themselves against the would-be's who called police and lied. The DVD included videos showing the tense encounters between the two families. In his letter, he stated that after providing the Sheriff's Department with video as proof, he was told that if he took any more videos, he would be arrested, and said he didn't understand how the victim of a crime can be arrested. He ended the letter by asking the media to help in any way. The next day, Kevin recorded himself as he walked along the highway. He stated that the fat bastard was walking down the driveway, referring to Michael. Michael asked Kevin again to resolve their differences. Kevin told him to leave him and his family alone, and Michael responded by saying that he would do so. Another two days went by, it was Monday, September 16th. In the early evening, the Wagners were filming Michael walking up and down the highway as Teresa arrived home from work. The Woodbys went in the house and ate dinner. Around 9 p.m., it was dark outside when Michael went for a walk along his side of the highway, taking his walking stick, flashlight, and cigarettes. A while later, Teresa went outside to smoke a cigarette and waited for her husband to return. Kevin and Colton also decided to go for a walk that evening. Court records indicated that authorities believed Kevin was standing near the center of the highway when they caught up to Michael. Standing to his right, Kevin raised his Glock 9mm semi-automatic pistol and pointed it at Michael. The first shot struck his forearm in the back, traveled downward slightly, and exited in the front. The second shot entered his middle chest, hitting his right lung and heart. The third bullet entered his upper chest and ripped through his body downward, striking his rib, right lung, diaphragm, and liver. The fourth bullet went through his shoulder and traveled downward and exited near his armpit, then re-entered his body and hit his rib, diaphragm, and liver again. Teresa heard the gunshots and assumed the Wagners were shooting because they saw her outside, so she turned and went back into the house. Kevin returned home and called 911. He asked for two ambulances one for Michael, and one for Colton. He turned on his police scanner and recorded the audio as police responded. Officers arrived at Highway 370 at approximately 10.15 p.m. When the sheriff's deputy exited his patrol car, he spotted Kevin walking down the driveway with his firearm at his side. The deputy ordered Kevin to put his hands up so the firearm could be removed and secured. Kevin did not respond. The deputy ordered him again. Kevin 
still did not respond. Finally, on the deputy's third order, Kevin put his hands up. Colton told officers that he had been assaulted by Michael with his walking stick. He had been hit numerous times, including on his neck and shoulder. An EMT examined him at the scene and didn't see an injury on his neck. And although Colton claimed his shoulder hurt and he couldn't raise his arm, he refused to go to the hospital. Deputies removed Kevin's handgun and put him in the back of a patrol car. He admitted to shooting Michael, and when they asked him where his body was, he stated, down the road. Officers walked down the highway, but did not see a body on the Wagner side. They walked over to the Woodby side, and in the ditch below, found Michael laying dead. He died at 45. Near his body was a flashlight, a stick, a cigarette butt, and four spent bullet casings. One casing was on the highway, the other three in the grass. His flashlight was still on. Its case had two holes where a bullet had entered through the handle and exited near the light bulb. Officers noticed blood on the grass near Michael and under his body. There was no blood on the highway. That night, Kevin was questioned along with his wife who provided some of their recordings to officers. Kevin claimed that he had fired in self-defense. Later, officers executed a search warrant at the Wagner's home. When they pulled up, they noticed an audio recorder sitting on the bed of a pickup truck recording their search. Inside the home, they found a notebook with Michael and Teresa's names and birth dates and recovered 180 hours of audio recordings and 100 to 200 hours of video recordings. The Wagners saved their recordings on a disc titled The Truth About Highway 370. Interestingly, there was no video that night of the shooting. Michael's autopsy revealed that he died from multiple gunshot wounds and that the second and third bullets to his chest were likely the fatal shots. The downward trajectory of the wounds confirmed that Kevin was standing to the right of Michael when he fired the shots and that he was standing in a higher position. The lack of unburnt gunpowder particles around the entry wounds meant that Kevin had fired from more than two feet away. The morning after the shooting, Kevin was for questioning. He waived his rights and gave a written statement. Court records stated that he claimed that when Colton and he had left to go for a walk, that Michael came out onto his porch and yelled at them. As they were walking onto the Wagner side of the highway, Michael began to follow them and was 20 to 30 feet behind them, shining a flashlight at them. Kevin turned and shone his flashlight at Michael. Michael screamed at them and Kevin told him to leave them alone. He said Michael rushed at them, 
swinging his stick and struck Colton twice on the arm and neck. Kevin yelled numerous times for Michael to leave, but that he wouldn't and continued to swing the stick towards them. That's when Kevin pulled his gun from his holster, pointed it at Michael, and told him again to leave. Michael ignored him and continued to swing the stick, and Kevin fired four bullets. Then Michael stopped and shifted to the ditch on the other side of the highway and laid down. After the interview, Kevin was free to leave. Officers then interviewed Colton. Although he claimed he'd been hit twice with the stick, they did not see any marks on his body, nor any of the clothing that he'd been wearing at the time. Officers picked up on the inconsistencies between Kevin and Colton's statements, and that night brought Kevin back in for another interview. Kevin stated again that he and Colton were walking on their side of the highway when Michael began to follow them. He repeated that Michael was also on their side of the highway when he opened fire. That did not match the evidence at the crime scene, which supported Michael being shot on his side of the highway, close to where his body fell into the ditch. Kevin was arrested and charged with second-degree murder. He was 42 years old. Knox News reported that a judge set his bond at $250,000. Kevin remained in jail and was put on administrative leave at his job. Kevin went on trial in August 2015, but after weeks of testimony, the jury was unable to reach a verdict. His defense attorney removed himself from the case, and the District Attorney General's office decided to retry the case. For his second trial, the Wagners had exhausted their life savings, so a public defender was appointed. The trial began a year later in the summer of 2016. Eighteen witnesses testified and 144 exhibits were presented. The medical examiner testified that Michael's injuries were inflicted from a high angle that suggested he could have been shot in the ditch where his body was found and not on the road as Kevin claimed. And the bullet entry wounds indicated Michael had been walking away from Kevin, not towards him. On August 10th, after six hours of deliberation, a jury convicted Kevin of second-degree murder. In December, he was sentenced to 18 years with no release eligibility to be served at the Tennessee Department of Corrections. He appealed his conviction, and in 2019, it was denied. His sentence is scheduled to end on April 9, 2032, when he will be 60 years old. Thanks for listening to Murder in 20, with less talk and more true crime. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for the episode of Karen Coslow. Jack and Paula adopted chubby-cheeked little Christy on Valentine's Day. After their divorce, Christy loathed her father and his new wife Karen and wanted them dead. Then she met Jeff, 
A Predator with the Sting of a Scorpion. If you're dying to hear more, past episodes of Murder in 20 are available for free at murderin20.com and on all major podcast platforms. We love what we do and are dying to continue. If you enjoy listening to Murder in 20 every week, we'd be eternally grateful for your support by visiting Murder in 20 at Patreon, PayPal, or murderin20.com. We'd like to acknowledge Purple Planet for use of their music, sound effects from Vaseline Studios and Quick Sounds, and our many editorial sources who are listed on our website. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Stay safe, sleep with the lights on, and don't play with strangers. <laughs>